You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Here with you all on this Wednesday, kicking off this week's worth of Locked On Pels. Needed a break on Monday and Tuesday after the craziest four weeks we've probably had covering this team throughout any period in time. By the way, dear listeners, I want to let you know, you are all on my list of places I would like to podcast for. Similar to Anthony Davis, who now has 29 teams on his list after that original four, but then Boston was also on it. They were never not on his list, and he doesn't know where that list came from because he didn't say it. And, well, should we believe anything coming out of the mouth of Anthony Davis? I'll tell you guys what to make of his weird media availability over the All-Star weekend. And of course, we know Del Demps fired on Friday by the Pelicans. They're calling it a mutual parting. Not exactly the case. Had the emergency podcast up there for you guys pretty much instantly after the news broke. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth today. Where do the Pelicans go from here? What does it mean for the rest of the season? And what might it mean for the future of this team? And we'll take a look at all of that as well as... Talk about some things that uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said in his kind of state of the league address with the big market, small market issues that are there. He doesn't think it's a big deal, is it? I'll take a look and I'll explain what I think in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so let's start with General Manager Dell Demps, now former General Manager of the New Orleans Pelicans, being let go from the team. Again, calling it a mutual parting of ways here in the New Orleans press release. But basically, from the moment that Anthony Davis said he wanted out, this was in the cards. I think that was a bit of a shock and a wake-up call to this organization, and they felt they needed to make some changes. And with season ticket renewal starting later this week, I believe, you had to do something to sell the fans that you're going to write this ship there's a reason to buy in, and things just had not been going that way. To clear up some misconception, this was not, and I can pr- guarantee you and 100% promise you, it had nothing to do with Anthony Davis leaving the game early on Thursday. This decision, I think, had been made well in advance of this. It was just a matter of time. It had nothing to do with that. That's not the reason why they decided to make that move on Friday either. This was going to happen this this past Friday because I think the team avoids the media attention that goes along with it. There are no home games after this for after they made this move on Friday till Saturday. You get a week before Alvin Gentry gets trotted out there and needs to speak about general manager, former general manager Dell Demps being fired. They don't need to do a big press release or anything like that because everyone else is in Charlotte. They can just kind of avoid it. You did a news dump on a Friday like you normally do, and it was easy, and that's what they did, and we've all kind of just moved on from it now. 
And it's as simple as that. I think that's the reason why they decided to do it that Friday for nothing else. So right now, what this means for the team is Danny Ferry is your interim GM, potentially going to be the GM going forward, though I have some doubts on that. And he will guide this team throughout the rest of the way. It sounds like it's just Dell Demps who was let go, who's no longer with the team. And the rest of the front office, there's 10 or so people that work in there that are still there. And it's business as usual. They're scouting. They're preparing for the upcoming draft. They're doing all of that. Nothing has changed. And it's now Danny Ferry just leading the day-to-day operations of that front office. But now there's longer-term implications for the Pelicans, some of which I spelled out there on Friday for you all. But now we can really start to see it. And in that press release that came from the Pelicans after the the Dell Demps news broke, it was very clear they're going to restructure this organization. They want someone reporting directly to Gail Benson that's in charge of the basketball side. This likely means that Mickey Loomis is going to be gone from his current role. He never did anything. Basically, you think of him as the owner. Del Demps is the president of basketball operations and GM. Demps would go to his boss, Loomis, with a plan and say, this is what I want to do. And Loomis, who doesn't know basketball, just said, okay, because it was sold well to him or it made sense. And we said, in a vacuum, some of the Demp's moves did make a lot of sense. His young vets plan, in theory, makes a lot of sense. But on Friday, in the breakdown of the, the firing, I said, it doesn't because I think the core premise of that is flawed with the one and a half to three years thing. And that's how you ended up with a bloated salary cap, unable to make any move this year that would have put you in true contention in the NBA. So that's why this got done then. So I'd say you're going to see a president of basketball operations in some title there that oversees an actual GM who's kind of managing the scouting, the day-to-day business, making the trades, working the phones. And then the president of basketball operations will also just be a respected dude in the room consulting on things. Kind of how Danny Ferry has been working in in a way for the Pelicans. He was just a voice in the room, a well-respected one, but wasn't really involved in a lot of the day-to-day operations. So will it be Danny Ferry? I do not know. I've heard that because he's such good friends with Del Demps and they work together in the Spurs front office for a number of years, that he would never be the guy that replaced that. He just doesn't feel right about doing that to a friend of his. We'll see, though, when you get the actual job offer and there's only, you know, 30 of them in the league, things can change a little bit. So that's where we stand right now. The search will, of course, kind of commence on this. You have to figure they're going to be looking at all names. I would assume that if you go with a president of basketball operations, it's going to be a a name you know, a name that commands respect and that kind of legitimizes the front office and the Pelicans as an organization. You don't necessarily want to go for that high upside but high risk hiring that you could do in this case, you want a name that can immediately step in, right the ship, who knows what to do. Then maybe you hire that kind of high risk guy to be the, not high risk, high risk, high reward type of guy. Unproven up and comer is basically another way to put it for the GM position. And I think that's what you might see happen here. A guy like Trajan Langdon is a name that's been brought up a lot. The assistant GM with the New Jersey Nets. Mike Zarin is another one of those names too that has kind of been brought up to be a guy. He turned down the Philadelphia 76ers GM job. And there's a couple others names that we're just not as familiar with. Or they also might try and go and hire you know, a big name GM currently. David Griffin's a name that could be your president of basketball operations formerly of the Cavs, uh, 
uh, before that, the Suns. There's others too. Maybe you get a, G a current GM to be your president of basketball operations, and then they don't have to handle the day-to-day -day as much, and maybe that's a big draw. So all of these things exist, and they're different options. We're going to see where they go from here. We're not going to get resolution on this right away, but it will be a new front office, and I expect at the end of the year for them to kind of clean this out entirely that we'll be making this Anthony Davis trade in the future. So before we talk about Anthony Davis and his just weird pressers all the time over All-Star Weekend, do got to mention the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday, five days a week, giving you everything you need to know about the association in about 30 minutes or less. Just catch up around the league, become a smarter NBA fan by listening to the Locked On NBA podcast. So Anthony Davis at Media Day, if you watched this, this was rough I think to be honest and it was nothing good if you're Anthony Davis and I think he comes out looking even worse than he has been so far so let's kind of recap what was said it started with uh, the original trade demand, which became public, which he was fined $50,000 for the max the league could find him without it going to like a hearing or something like that. And it reportedly out there that he would resign with the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Milwaukee Bucks. So basically big, big market teams. And we're going to touch on this in the final segment of the podcast too, because I think this is important. But the Bucks were in there just kind of for show, and also they're winning, and look, it would be fun basketball to pair him alongside Giannis, who's about to be the new face of the league based off of everything that went on over All-Star Weekend. But Boston wasn't on that list. Then his dad came out. His dad, who is a, they, they are, I, I can't even tell you how close they are. That type of relationship came out and basically trashed the Boston Celtics, saying he would never want his son to play there based off of what they did to Isaiah Thomas, shipping him out after kind of leading him to that heroic season, finishing fifth or third in the MVP voting, and then playing hurt before having a hip injury kind of really derail his career so far. If his dad's coming out and saying that, it's not going rogue. There's a reason you never hear from his dad. You might not know that that is Anthony Davis Sr. Because he doesn't talk. Because he doesn't need to. So if he's coming out and saying this, he's doing it with his son's approval because he doesn't want to do anything that would upset Davis. Simple as that. So now they asked Davis about this at the media availability and he goes no boston's on my list they were never not on my list i don't you know my agent gave that list to the pelicans not me it's this is weird why weren't they on the list or is it just simply and this i'll tell you is what it is you know he tried to force a trade to the lakers we all know this that didn't happen now he realizes he's likely not going to end up there he's going to be going to boston maybe you want to say hey i'd be cool being in boston that probably is a good way to make an impression on your teammates and the fan base that you might be playing for next year, not saying, I don't want to be here. That's what happened with Eric Gordon here. His heart was in Phoenix, and we hated him for until he left because of it. It wouldn't be in AD's best interest to say anything other than good things about the Boston Celtics and the city of Boston. So you heard him say that. And then he gave another interview where he goes, I don't even have a list. He goes, all 29 teams are on the list. So every team but the Pelicans, which, oh, that hurts so much. But there's no way his list is 29 teams. He's just trying to save face. And as he was talking about all of this, you can watch the video of it. You literally see Rich Paul over his left, sh his right shoulder, I guess it's our left, his right shoulder, 
looks like goddamn devil whispering into his ear or angel, depending if you're if you're a Lakers fan, I guess, to, uh, trying to kind of control what Anthony Davis is doing. You know, it sounds like AD, when he left all of that, Rich Paul pulled him aside and had a talk with him because AD has no idea how to speak to the media about this. This is just horrifically bad. He has no plan when he goes up to speak and they need to figure this out. Should we read anything into all of this? And the answer is no. Everything coming out of Anthony Davis's mouth right now is 100% manipulation for him, not for Rich Paul to him, but to get others on his side. He clearly does not like being the villain. He didn't expect this kind of blowback like has ended up happening. And now he's doing whatever he can to save some face and not completely, completely put on that black hat and the black coat that goes along with being a villain. He's trying to at least be in a shade of gray here, and it's not working because you can clearly see through this. So there's not much to it. If you still think he's being manipulated by Rich Paul, he said something very illuminating that is the maybe the one true thing I think we can take away from his media availability. And he said, you know, I, I'm not upset about my actions. You know, I had a plan. We wanted to kind of make it happen as I take control of my career. And I went ahead and I did it. And he goes, it's on the Pelicans what they do, but I did my part in what I had to do. They were trying to force a trade to the Lakers. It didn't work out. And now he kind of accepts where he is a little bit right now, at the very least. And it's not in a good spot if you still root for him. And he said he's intent on playing out the year. It sounds like the team is going to really maybe revisit this, reach out to the league. And Adam Silver didn't think that this was a particularly great situation, these things coming public. Uh, Shaq was pretty critical of Anthony Davis. You had... Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also be very critical of Anthony Davis. It's not going well for him right now in terms of public perception. So we'll see how this goes in the future and what happens here. But there's potential with him wanting to play and the Pelicans very upset and clearly wanting to sit him that this could get uglier before it gets better. But at least we know who Anthony Davis truly is at this point in time. So it's fantasy basketball playoffs, and that means you're trying to win your league, win that money, and more importantly, maybe win bragging rights over your friends. The best way to do that, of course, is the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, giving you all the advice you need for waiver wire pickups, last-minute trades you can make if you're still in that window, and anything you can to win the money, win the bragging rights. Get an advantage on the rest of your league. Listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. So in his State of the League address, Adam Silver talked a little bit about the difference between big markets and small markets and the fact that he actually doesn't see one as much. And he pointed to a couple of interesting things. You know, last year, a number of the big market teams didn't make the playoffs. You had smaller markets in there. If the season were to end today, you would have, I think, six of the eight smallest markets in the NBA in the playoffs, while the Lakers and Knicks and Heat would be on the outside Looking in, Miami, I think, is considered like a medium to small market as well. You know, you, you had Memphis with a seven-year playoff run that finally just kind of got old and stopped competing. So he doesn't think the disparity is there as much. And he's right to an extent, but he's still wrong about certain things. And there's there are advantages that big market teams have that other teams don't. And when I was recording Locked on NBA with John Corrales earlier, he made a really good point that I'd never thought of. A guy like Anthony Davis, if he wants to get shoe deals, bigger endorsements and all of that, 
needs to be in a big market. You can have Giannis in the small market who's going to be plastered everywhere. This dude is the future face of the NBA, maybe sooner rather than later. We might not even wait for LeBron James to retire or to be in the twilight of his career. Giannis was that electrifying and is that great of a personality over All-Star Weekend that I think you're going to see him just kind of be pushed to the forefront. But Anthony Davis doesn't have that personality. So if he wants big endorsement deals, he needs to be winning in a big market where he's the man and where people know who he is. And that's Los Angeles. That's New York. And that's maybe a couple of other teams throughout the league. But it's not here because he just doesn't have the personality to kind of get him those endorsements and those type of deals that he would like unless he was in a big market and shoved in everybody's faces where, you know, if he was on the Lakers getting, you know, 20 plus national games a year. Yeah, great. He can get those deals, but he's not going to get that here in New Orleans. And I think that's a really good point. That is something that big markets have as an advantage over the small markets. As global as this is, if a guy's not charismatic by himself, you're going to need to be in a big market to try and get some of those things that you may or may not want. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard necessarily wants that, but Anthony Davis certainly does. And he's not getting it here in New Orleans because of his own uh, shortcomings in the matter with that. You also have big market teams that are willing to pay the luxury tax or the luxury tax doesn't hurt them as much because of their local TV deals. The local TV deals do not qualify for revenue sharing. You just get to keep those. So when the Lakers ink a billion-dollar TV deal, all billion dollars of that is theirs. The Pelicans don't get a piece of that pie. The Pelicans TV deal is likely going to be one of the five smallest in the league, and they're not getting that big financial incentive. There's a reason you see small markets try and duck the luxury tax. It can get very, very expensive, and if margins are already kind of thin, that can sometimes make a difference. When you have the New York Knicks and the Madison Square Garden deal and what their TV, whatever it is, yeah, they can afford to pay the luxury tax. And maybe it means you want to go to that team because you know they're willing to spend that to get that extra player or to re-sign that one guy that makes you work and you have a better chance of winning. But I don't think it's entirely that. And I think you just want to see or you're starting to see players gravitate towards well-run, well-managed teams that are winning. You know, there's a reason Milwaukee was the small market put on the Anthony Davis list originally. You know, you can even go back when Greg Monroe signed in Milwaukee. That was a huge shock to the NBA that he went there compared to any of the other teams that were chasing after him. It didn't work out as a player, but that was a pretty big free agent signing at the time. He spurned the Knicks to go there. So I think you kind of see what players are looking for. They want to go to these specific teams where they think they're going to have a chance to win. And look at Paul George being maybe the best example of that. You know, he was there. They sold him on it. He realized he's he, he's in a winning situation. He meshes well with the organization. And he re-signed after basically everything was telegraphing him going to the Lakers too. But you want to know what's really interesting about that is to get Paul George in Oklahoma City for them to sign him to this four-year deal, they had to trade for him in the first place because you know what? If he had played out the season with the Pacers, he was not going to sign there as a free agent. You know that wasn't going to happen because these small market teams aren't going to impress you in that kind of one-on-one -on -one meeting you're going to have. You need to be in there for a year plus to really start to feel that. And that's the disadvantage. Anthony Davis might become a free agent and sign with the Lakers or sign with the Knicks. 
He would never sign with Oklahoma City. He would never sign with a small market team like that. And that's maybe the biggest advantage of all. They can get free agents. Small market, middle market teams do not. And it's kind of as simple as that. So you need to either do it through the draft or by trading a star for other up-and-coming guys like what New Orleans is about to go through. So despite what Adam Silver says, and I agree with him that maybe there's the start of a movement from small or from big to small markets and some equalization of it, I don't think we're even remotely there yet. And teams like New Orleans are still at a disadvantage. And this is going to lead to some discussion we're going to have over the next couple weeks and months. And that's what type of front office do you need to have to be successful in a small market? What kind of guys do you need to put in that room to have success? Because there are some disadvantages here, and we want to look at all of that. But that's for another day. So thank you all for listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Pelicans. Happy to be back with you all. I'm glad we moved on from a lot of the speculation of things. We can now start looking towards the future, which hopefully will be bright. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.